0: Well, happy resurrection, everybody. We're so glad that you're watching wherever you are, whether you're uh, here in Ormond, you're in Daytona, you're in Volusia County, you're in another state, you're around the world. We are so glad that you're here to celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And I just want to remind you right out of the gate, when that stone was rolled away, it was not so Jesus could get out. It was so we could get in and see the story For ourselves. So we're going to celebrate that today. We're going to be in Luke chapter 24. Get your Bibles out. I know it's different, but it's okay. We want you to sing. And I promise you at the end of this service, the last song is so, so incredible. Worship along with it. Remember to forward this on to other people. There's also a children's service that you can log on to or a family service that will be available as well. What else you got to do? You're running out of Netflix, so go ahead and go for it. Uh, Here's what it might look like at your house. Uh, If you're watching a church service online, you're watching us online. Uh, For some of you that are used to coming in and sitting in the back of the church, that's okay. Your house might look a little more like this. And some of you won't understand this, but since we're in full quarantine, I'm only going to use inside jokes. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. You're right. That was very. I, I've never seen such a reaction from the crowd. Thank you. Yes, that is. That is. Inside jokes. Yeah. You share that with people there with you. Uh, listen, everything comes down to one event. That's why billions of people all over the world are celebrating right now. They're celebrating with you around the globe, there's about two and a half billion people who are believers. And if you're not a believer, let me just say this to you. Take a look at the people that are, do some research, find out why they're believers, because the greatest people in history have been followers of the word of God, followers of Jesus Christ, because it all comes down to what Paul said in first Corinthians 15. If the dead are not raised, then we have no story. But if Jesus raised from the dead, then he and he alone is God. Interestingly enough, Muhammad said on his deathbed, I do not know the purpose of life. Confucius said, I don't know. Keep seeking truth. Uh, Another one of the, the, the founders of religion said, listen, I'll tell you this. I am not the way. Only Jesus said, I am the way. I am. I am God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the resurrection and the life. And he backs it up with a resurrection. He told the disciples. He told them he was going to do it. And then God made it happen. That resurrection is what gives us all hope. For all believers of Jesus Christ, all languages, all the way around the world, we have hope. So I entitled the message for this. We're in a series called Let's. And we're working through the the gospel of Luke. Let's, 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 let's make a deal. Let's make a deal right now. Would you trade, would you trade what you have for eternal life? Would you trade your pain for eternal life? Would you trade your grief for eternal life? Would you trade your house for eternal life? Would you trade your addiction for eternal life? That's what Jesus is offering to all of us. What an incredible opportunity. If you remember, let's make a deal, Monty Hall. If you don't go look those up, what else you got to do? You might as well check out the, the reruns of let's make a deal, but he would always give them something. They would have a hundred dollar bill in their hand or they would have it something else. And he would say, you can keep this or you can trade it for what's behind the curtain or what's behind the box, I guess, to make it different. And people would sometimes win great fortunes. Sometimes you would win a goat but the thing is with Jesus he's saying are you willing to trade what you hold in your hand what can be gone in an instant are you willing to trade that for eternal life that's the deal that Jesus is making with us he's saying let's make a deal isaiah 118 the prophet says come let us reason together let's make a deal even though your sins are as scarlet they shall be made as white as snow What a beautiful, beautiful verse. All right, let's just go to the text. Here we go. In Luke 24, I hope you, just because it's here, get your Bibles out, your iPad, your scrolls, whatever you got. Follow along, write along, ask questions. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices that they'd prepared and they went to the tomb. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb. Remember how he told you while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. And then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all the things to the eleven and to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and the others with them who told this the apostles. But they did not believe the women because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves and he went away wondering to himself what had happened. Wow. Okay. So here's the story. It starts off with these women going early in the morning. Now, if you're keeping score, here's how I think it happened. It was, Jesus is crucified. If you remember, they have to take his body down off the cross. He's been arrested. He's been through an all day ordeal. He's been mocked, spit on, crown of thorns, whipped, carried the cross. He's doing all this for our sin. <clears throat> and he's, and he, and he's been through this whole process. And now at the, at, at noon, he gets crucified. It's the Sabbath, and the Sabbath is coming, so they can't leave his body on the cross. So they're going to take him off of the cross, but that means they can't do anything for a day. So from Friday night at sundown to Saturday night at sundown, the women can't go and do anything because it's the Sabbath. They're staying home. But as soon as the Sabbath ends, the Sabbath would have ended late Saturday night. So sometime early on Sunday morning, they got up. And they went to that tomb. Why? What were they doing? What was their purpose? Two things, maybe. Number one, could the story be true? Were the women going to find out if this was really true? Or did they go just out of love? Was it out of respect that after everything Jesus had done for them, whether he raised from the dead or not, they were going to be there. They were going to anoint his body, and it would have smelled terrible by then. It would have been a horrible stench, but they went anyway to anoint his body for burial. But when they get there, and I love, I love how the King James says this particular part. It says, when they got there, they saw that the stone was rolled away. By the way, it would have weighed hundreds of pounds. No way it would have been moved by a person. Plus, it would have taken a team of people. Plus, there are Roman guards guarding it. The angels have them go to sleep. So you get this whole story. The women get there and it says, Jesus was not there. They did not find him. The body was gone. Now, why are these two guys in shining there? Why are the two angels there? Well, in Deuteronomy chapter 19, it says that everything must be confirmed by two male witnesses. Now, that may be hard to hear in our culture today, but the women's voice would not have mattered. That sounds harsh. And Jesus did not think that way, but that's what it would have been in the court of opinion at that time. So these two male angels are there and they say, he is not here. He's risen. Let me ask you, what are you willing to do I don't know that I have to get up early in the morning. I don't know that that's necessary. I don't know that I have to get up to see the sunrise. But what am I willing to do because of my love for Jesus? How am I willing to serve? How am I willing to help my neighbor? How am I willing to love? How am I willing to show Jesus that I really love him? Because words are cheap. The disciples didn't get up, my friends. Those women got up and they went. They went. So they go back and they tell the disciples, all right, this is where the story gets good because stubbornness is nothing new, all right? If anybody ought to know the story, it's these guys. The story that Jesus tells them, didn't I tell you that the Son of Man would would have to suffer, be rejected by the elders? We just talked about that last week. And he would be crucified, but on the third day, he would raise again. Didn't I tell you all of that? The disciples have had an inside seat to all of this. They've been talking and asking questions. They've been there for all of this. Are you kidding me? They didn't get up. Too stubborn. Everything we thought we knew, it's gone. Some People reacting that way right now. Are you kidding? Jesus is at his very best right now. So this is a time... To turn from your stubbornness and say, you know what? Maybe it's not all about me. And maybe it's not all about the body. As one one writer has said, we are not bodies with souls. We are souls who are temporarily housing a body. So I need to be prepared, my soul, for eternity. So if you've not accepted Jesus, this would be the time to accept Jesus as your Savior. So they're stubborn. You know, during the last hurricane, I can't remember. The hurricanes all run together in my head. But during the last hurricane, they showed a picture of wild horses. And up, up along the coast of Georgia and North Carolina, there are still herds of wild horses. And they showed a picture... And, you know, the horse does not have a weather forecaster. The horses don't have uh, some guy wading out into the water showing us how bad they are. The horse just instinctively knows because God's made them that way. You know how the horses got through that hurricane and every other hurricane? Here's a picture. The horses gather together and they turn their butts to the wind. And they stand there and they ride the storm out. And not one horse ever gets hurt. Isn't that amazing that God has designed the horse, turn your back to the storm, turn your eyes back to God, but the disciples didn't believe. They thought it was nonsense. In fact, the Greek word there, it's a fun word, I guess. It's the word twaddle. Twaddle. T-W-A-D-D-L-E. They thought it was a fairy tale. Now, how often have I heard that? So, you still believe in fairy tales? You believe in these miracle stories and these resurrection stories? Listen, you got a right to think that. That's why the story's so great, because resurrections didn't happen every day. That's how Jesus proved that he really was the Messiah. That's why Buddha and Confucius and Muhammad all said, Not me, not me, I don't know, not sure. Jesus said, I am the way. But even the disciples, The guys that had been there the whole whole time, all of them, all of them stayed in bed that morning. They thought all hope was lost. So if you have not yet become a believer in Jesus, listen, there were guys there in the inner circle that didn't believe at this point. But Peter gets up and runs. Peter and John, both actually, if you read John's account... John tells us that he outran Peter. But when Luke tells the story, Luke only talks about Peter. And he said, Peter got up and he ran. He ran. Now think about it. If you knew there was a cure, if you knew there was a cure for this disease, would you walk? Would you crawl? Or would you run? Now look, everybody runs differently. My running doesn't look so good anymore. It doesn't look like it used to, but you still would would run. When you haven't seen a loved one for a long time, when people are gathering at the airport or you see military people coming home. You see them run to embrace each other. Well there's a reason for that. Because they can't wait to hold on to each other. They can't wait for that embrace. They can't wait for that that moment. So they run. Wow. So the women, they got up early. The guys, they didn't believe. Took them a little bit, but then they ran. And when they got there, oh, I love this part of the story. Peter goes right into the tomb because the stone's been rolled away. If you've not seen one of these stones, they're about six feet tall. They're about this thick. Literally, it would take many men and probably tools to roll that thing. It would roll across a stone track and it would lock them in. And I love what the Romans said. They said, keep it as safe as you can. Whoever heard of having to guard a grave? But even the Romans knew that something was up about this guy, Jesus. And the fact that Jesus' body is not there is still the hope that we all have for eternal life. But the message in that story right there is that well, let's go back to the two. You got the two angels, but Peter and John run to the tomb. Why again? Two male witnesses. Deuteronomy nineteen, thirteen. Look it up. Two male witnesses to come back and tell the story. But when they go in, Peter goes into the grave and he sees all of the grave clothes laying there, but the headpiece is folded up. It's folded up and laying there by itself. Now You may or may not understand this part, but let me tell you. If you've ever been to a Passover feast where Jewish people celebrate what it's going to be like when the Messiah comes, or if you've been to a Jewish dinner, you will know that when you're eating, if you're going to get up, say you need to excuse yourself for some reason, and you're going to be coming back to eat, you fold up your napkin and you lay it by your plate. If you're finished eating... You just lay your napkin down. You throw it across the plate. So the fact that Jesus took time to fold up the headpiece is a message to the disciples. Every Jewish person would have known this. Anybody who's ever had a Passover Seder meal would have known this. The headpiece being folded up meant Jesus is saying, I'm coming back. Peter didn't miss that. John didn't miss that. And again, why? Why would Jesus do that? Well, well, somebody stole his body. Nobody's going to steal his body and take time to unwrap the clothes and fold up the top piece. Not going to happen. Why would Jesus do it? Because he wasn't in a hurry. And we didn't need the stone to be moved for Jesus to get out. Jesus walked through the walls just like he did in other stories. Because he was God in the flesh. He is the Messiah. He's the anointed one. He is the savior. So many, so many places we could go with this, but listen, when you find out Jesus is true, it doesn't matter how long you didn't believe. It doesn't matter if you weren't sure you got up early in the morning, but you weren't sure whether the story was true. You have learned this stuff, but you still doubted. It doesn't matter. Today is still the day of salvation. Today is still your opportunity to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior. You can, you can hit, if you're watching online, you can say, make a decision, accept Jesus, write in, email us, whatever you need to do. We'll follow up from there, talk about repentance and baptism and following Jesus, and we'll get you to all that. But what you need to do first is simply accept Jesus. I believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let me finish with this story. I'm going to read this one to you uh, just because it's powerful when you read it. It says, from noon until three in the afternoon, that's when Jesus was crucified. I told you it was, they, they had him up all night going from one trial to the other. You can read all that at home. And he's being, being arrested and abused and all of the rest of the story. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came over the land. That's in Matthew 27. The darkening of the skies for three hours before Jesus died was observed and recorded by Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Could God have used a solar eclipse to darken the skies prior to the death of his son? Good question. A solar eclipse takes place when the moon crosses between the earth and the sun, creating partial to full blockage of the sun's light scholars put the date of Jesus' death between 26 AD and 36 AD, many pinpointing the date of April 3rd, 33 AD. Charting the trajectory and speed of stars and planets, NASA has created historic maps of eclipses through the centuries. But based on these maps, there are no solar eclipses recorded as having occurred over Jerusalem during that time. However, NASA charts do reveal the occurrence of a rather interesting lunar eclipse a lunar eclipse takes place when not the moon itself but the moon's shadow crosses the sun and darkens the sky now here's the money statement according to NASA a lunar eclipse took place on April 3rd 33 AD the length of the eclipse 2 hours and 50 minutes NASA's own description of the eclipse notes the question on everybody's mind. It's in quotations. It says, crucifixion of Christ with a question mark. Wow. Father, I pray that regardless of where people are today, that they would be willing to make a deal. They would be willing to make a deal to trade their pain and trade all of that in For the forgiveness and hope that only you can bring. I pray, Father, that this would be the day of salvation for literally thousands, maybe millions of people. That they would realize the story is indeed true. And that you offered us the greatest deal in history. In Jesus' name.